0: Welcome. Thank you. I'll be here all day. Um, hey, it's great to have you today. Thanks for being here, oh, especially if this is your first time. We're uh, glad that you have chosen to check us out, and we hope that you'll check us out for a few more weeks before you decide to stick around or head somewhere else. Um, but one thing I do want to say before I get started, we had an amazing baptism moment at the end of the first service. You missed it if you weren't here. Uh, it was kind of cool. Um, we had a gentleman who. Has uh, been working through some hard stuff in his life over the, the past few years. His wife has been praying for him for seven years to, uh, to change, right? And it happened a couple of weeks ago. He's been uh, through detox and, and part of AA meetings. And um, Friday, he texted me. He's like, hey, I want to get baptized. And uh, the cool part was he didn't tell his wife. And so she was here. He lied and said he had to use the restroom. brought him out on stage she starts bawling crying of course where she's sitting and then she comes up and baptizes him and it was a this was an amazing amazing moment to be a part of so cool things happening which means don't stop praying all right I know you might be praying for something don't give up uh, keep doing that uh, I do have a question as we get started and this might be difficult for some of you but uh, how many of you have ever watched the show house hunters anybody in here Don't lie, don't be afraid, don't act like you've never watched it before. All right, now you know the joke about house hunters, right? Here's Tom, Tom breeds earthworms, and his wife Sally, she herds cats, and together they have $1.6 million to spend on a home, right? You know that kind of joke about that? Well, I I hate to tell you about this, and somebody confirmed this actually in first service too, that... um, so those shows are produced, all right? So those real-time reactions, we're like, oh, that's amazing. They're not. I mean, they they're just kind of produce it, and they want it to feel that way. And, uh, and so I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but I just want you to know that piece. But, uh, but that's what we love about the shows, right? Especially that show. We love the reactions. We, we love what people see in these homes. And, and so they'll drive up, and they're like, oh, man, this, this house has really good curb appeal. And, and I love the way it looks on the road. And then someone else will walk up to a house and be like, man, this house is too close to the road. And then they'll walk in the house and like, we got to repaint every single wall in this place. Or they'll walk into the living room like, oh, we love the fireplace. We love the vaulted ceilings. But there's one phrase that every single person uses. And they've been using, I think, since the beginning of the show. It's open concept, right? (laughs) Every single home they walk into, this is an open concept. I don't know if we can buy this house. It's going to be like $50,000 to renovate. We've got to have an open concept. They walk into another house like, oh, this is open concept. This is great. This is what we've been looking for. Did any of us even know Open Concept existed before these show started? Have you thought about that before? No, but now we're like, we need Open Concept. It's almost like this drug that we all need. In the midst of that backyard is amazing. Think about the parties we can throw there. I mean, yeah, sure, they're looking for this house. They're looking for a structure. But if you really listen, what's most important to them are those relationships that are going to be molded and made in that particular home. And that's why as we start this series today called Welcome, we're going to talk about relationships. And we're more specifically going to talk about these relationships in uh, this thing that we call the church. Now, why should we talk about relationships? Because we are not very good at relationships. Um, for instance, we've got to put this in context for us. We live in the D.C. metro area. And in the D.C. metro area, there are 6.4 million people. You and me, we are part of that 6.4 million people, just a little bit less than 6.4 million. Um, That makes us the sixth largest population area in the United States, all right? Lots of people. We're really close to each other all over the place. But a little bit earlier this year, I also shared with you that even though we are highly populated, we are highly lonely here too. Uh, Some research that came out a couple of years ago, looking at the loneliest cities in the United States, Washington, D.C. was number one. And some of us, I know we got a couple of people who live in D.C., but those of us that don't, we kind of look at that like, oh, that makes sense, right? Transit, people moving in and out all the time. I get that. That's not us. Number three is Alexandria, Virginia. Which is like, well, that's a little bit closer to home. Or may I live there? And then you may be thinking, well, I live in Springfield or Burke or these other places. I don't have to worry about that. Richmond, Virginia is number four. So if we got kind of to put this whole area together. We live, let's be honest, in the loneliest section of America, which means we live in a land of strangers. I mean, the weird part is we live so close to people, right? We're right beside people all the time. We live, work in uh, office complexes where there's hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people. And then there's activities and events that we're a part of all the time. And we think, well, I've got all these relationships, but the truth is we don't. That way too many of us live lonely lives. Now, it doesn't feel that way, right? We begin to look at our calendar. We think about how we spend our time We think to ourselves, "Well, no, that's not the case." I'm around people all the time. In fact, uh, I'm going to put this graphic up here that took like two seconds. And then hobbies. And of course, you're here, so you got church. And so you can you can look up there uh, on that graphic, and we can pretty easily say to ourselves, "Huh, I got a lot of relationships. I've got a lot of connections." Now, yours may be different, right? So here's a little homework for you. Take this design. It's not trademark, do whatever you want to with it, but um, put yourself in the middle, and then I want you to think about the circles that you are a part of. How do you spend your time? What events and activities are you a part of? What things are important that you do? And then make your own little design out of this and see what your life looks like, because it may be very different than this. The question is: what's in your circles? And then when you begin to kind of look at these circles and figure out what's in there, there's something you're going to be able to notice. That you have all of this time, right? You you spend all this time with all these different people, and yet I bet you still feel lonely. And then my other thing for you to think about is, even though you're around all these people all the time, how many of those relationships are truly deep, intimate, life-giving relationships? My guess is that we don't have many of those, if any, at all. And here's why. We look at this, and this is what uh, we would call orbit management, all right? And, and when I'm talking about orbit management, it means that we'll go to work, and then we'll do our work stuff, and then we'll jump into school, and then we'll jump into friends, and then children, and, you know, marriage, or dating, or hobbies. And we just kind of pop from place to place. It's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy going from world to world. That's basically how we live every single day of our life, to work world, to school world, to kid world, to hobby world, to church world. And we just spend our days basically time traveling. Now, when we think about it, we, we see that, we think, well, I've got all these connections. I've got all these relationships. But do we truly ever fully invest in those relationships? Again, I'm going on a whim here, and I'm going to say that most of us don't. And so we live lonely lives. Now we are not created to live lonely lives. We are created to be in relationship with others and not just have these surface level relationships that I think most of us tend to have. But again, these deep, healthy, Christ-centered, life-giving relationships. That's what we're created for. Now how do we know this? Well, We actually go back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it's probably one of my top three or four verses in Scripture. One, because it's easy to remember. But two, there's so much in it, if you really think about it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, you know, if we we look at that verse, in those ten words, there's so much in here. First, we have the start of the story, right? It's almost like that once upon a time moment. There's the beginning, and this is saying, hey, there's much more that's going to come after this. And then we meet the main character of the story. We, we meet God. It's almost like God's got that little uh, sticker on it says, Hello, my name is God, right? And so we meet the main character. We meet God. And we know now who the rest of this story is about. And then we're told what God did. God created. God created the heavens and the earth. And so we have the beginning of this, this beautiful story that lays ahead of us. Now the details actually come to uh, what God did, this creation piece, and the rest of chapter one. And, and as we think about those details that are, are there, you probably know that chapter one causes a lot of debate. Okay, uh, because for some of us, we make decisions about God based on what we believe in chapter one. We make decisions about our faith based on what we believe about chapter one. We make decisions about the rest of the Bible. Based on what we believe, evolution and, you know, science, if you look at carbon dating and, and you look at uh, science, you, you find that, that the earth is not just a few thousand years old. The earth is billions of years old. And we think about that and, and, and we're like, hey, my, my faith or the foundation of it's based on that. So that may mean that you have some, some doubts about God or, or maybe for you, you struggle with, with God. And then there's another group that's jumped in and is like, hey, you know what I believe? both i believe that god created this earth and everything in it but i believe there's some scientific stuff that we can look at and they they're really mixed together and that's the foundation of my faith right we all probably fall into one of those categories so i thought it'd be fun that's the first summer or day in the fall why don't we just kind of do a vote and see who's where on each <laughs> <I'm> kidding <laughs> totally joking you do that you write a book next week called how to kill your church in 60 <laughs> seconds right And the reason is pretty simple. We're all over the place when it comes to this. Now, some of you are sitting there, you're still working on your circles. But then others of you, you're sitting there, you're listening, and you're like, all right, I don't understand. How does this connect to loneliness? How does this connect to relationships? When we read chapter 1 in Genesis through the lens that we so often read it through, we're actually missing the point of chapter 1. When the Hebrew writer is writing chapter one of Genesis, they're not trying to prove creation to the people that are reading it. And they're not trying to disprove science. What the writer is writing here, and and they only had one thing in mind, that everything that we see in the story from in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth to the end is all about one thing. It's all about relationships. That's the focus of this chapter. That's the focus of scripture. Because if you go back and you look at chapter one, we see the relationship and the connection God has with its creation, right? With God and creation, with uh, animals and and the the world and land and and sea, we see that connection. And, And as we read it, we read it and it says, God said, you know what? It was good. But then we continue reading, we get down to the bottom of it there, and it talks about God creating humanity. And what does God say about humanity? What's the writer say about humanity? It was very good that in the end, humanity is the ultimate creation. And so chapter one is not to, yes, but not the only relationship. God understood that humanity needed a relationship with each other. In Genesis 2, verse 18, we read this. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So we have God, and God creates, and God creates these animals, and these animals have partners. Giraffes have giraffes, and tarantulas have tarantulas, and T-Rexes have T-Rexes. They're all connected here. And here's Adam. You ever thought about what Adam's job is? He's basically Tarzan, right? So what he does, and if we were to go back and we were to put those little circles up, you know, it wouldn't look quite like ours, but he, like, hey, you know, tend into the garden, take care of the flowers, you know, making sure the giraffes don't fight with the, the zebras or whatever it may be. I mean, he's got his own circles. He's got his own orbit management that's happening for him. But with all of this stuff going on, Adam has no one else. All these other creatures have these companions, connections, relationships, but Adam has nothing. And God sees this, and so God changes it up. Verse 21. So the Lord God calls the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. I don't know about you, but you uh, hear this a lot in wedding ceremonies. In fact, I use it in every single wedding ceremony that I, I do. But, um, and I use it because it is descriptive of, of relationships. Now, granted, you know, we're talking here about marriage. and So the way I usually say this in, in a wedding is that God didn't make woman from a man's head to rule over him. He, he didn't make woman from his feet to be trampled upon He made woman from Adam's side to be a companion to him. And so we think about that. It was like, yeah, that that makes sense. That's what marriage should be about. It should be this connection, this relationship, this companionship. But you know what? It goes beyond marriage. Like this relationship that's there, it, it it was to remind us that we are created for relationship with God, but also relationship with each other that you and I need connections to. God realized that humanity could not live life isolated. To live, when it comes to these relationships, is different than what God intended. Again, if we kind of think about where we live in the context of this area, sociologists would say that we live in crowded loneliness, which means we have so many people around us And we're around them all the time and yet we still live lonely lives it's almost like there's this false sense of community that we have with other people that we're exposed to people on a consistent daily basis and yet we have no deep connection with them which leads us back to the purpose of this series as a church That is doing ministry and living out the mission of Jesus in this context here. As a church where we see 20 to 25% of uh, church turnover every single summer. Now thankfully we have more people who show up. but, um, But that's usually about our average here at The Journey. We realize this is a really hard place to build relationships. But we go back to orbit management again and you can look at your circles and you're like, but look. Look at all these people I'm connected to. Look at all these relationships that I have. But just because we're around people all the time, just because we work with people all the time, just because we're part of events and activities with people consistently in our life, it doesn't mean that we have deep, strong, healthy, life-giving relationships. And the one place that we should be able to experience that as this place we call the church. Can I be honest with you? The church struggles with this too. Lyle Schaller, as a sociologist and a church consultant, he said this. He said, the biggest challenge for the church at the opening of the 21st century is to develop a solution to the discontinuity and fragmentation of the American lifestyle. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about those circles that we talked about a little bit earlier. Here he is, he's like, hey, this is the way we function here, right? We've got all these circles, and we think we have all these connections and these relationships. And oh, by the way, that has permeated the church world too. And so we've got to fight against that. And here we are a quarter of a century later into this to be that kind of church. We want to be a place where we are building deep, strong, healthy, Christ-centered, life-giving relationships with each other. In fact, we want to do what we find in the New Testament quite frequently. We want to live out the the one-anothers. A couple years ago in our groups at that time, we actually spent a whole uh, semester talking about these one-anothers. And uh, the reason is, is because they're really prevalent in the New Testament. We find them 100 times in 94 verses in the New Testament. It's actually just one Greek word, but we've split it into one another. But what are these one another's about? They're about relationships. And then, if you begin to look at those 100 one another's we have there, 47 of them are direct instructions that are given to followers of Jesus. I'll put a few of these up here on the screen. You may be familiar with these. Forgive one another, accept one another, care for one another, encourage one another, love one another, serve one another, carry burdens of one another, pray for one another. Like if we go back and we look at each one of these in the context of what they're written, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say, you know what, if you feel like caring for someone, that would be great, but you don't really have to do that. Or, hey, if, if, if you want to pray for somebody in your group, that's fine. But, but if you don't, it's no big deal. That, that, that's not what these passages say. Every single one of them is an action. That if you say that you follow Christ, then there's an action step that you take by living these out with one another. And by the way, these are for someone else. Okay. Now, if these relationships are where they need to be, you're experiencing that too. The beginning part is us living this out for other people. We are putting our faith into action. And we're putting into action with the relationships we have with other people. And when we do that, the outcome is deep, healthy, long-lasting, Christ-centered, life-giving relationships. Well, how do we do that as a church? What does this look like for us here? Is that word church there for you just so you can jump into this world and jump out in an hour 1.6 times per month? Is that why it's there? Now, hear me out, please. If you are here and you're starting the spiritual journey and you're trying to figure out God and you're trying to figure out the Bible and you're trying to figure out Jesus and you're trying to figure out this thing called the church, I want to let you know this is a very safe place for you to jump in. On a Sunday, spend an hour with us and jump out. We want to be that kind of place. We want to be that kind of place for your friends and your family. You may invite that are far from God. And you're like, hey, come check us out. And we want to be that kind of place. But, but if you say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, this shouldn't be a place that we just jump in for an hour on a Sunday and then jump right back out. Shouldn't be some world that we travel between just on Sunday mornings. Because if we follow Jesus, we are called to experience life together with one another. And in doing so, we create and build these life-giving relationships. But How do we experience that in a place like this? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of things here. And honestly, I'm ready to hit a lot of stuff that Kathleen was talking about a little bit earlier. So if you want to go finish your little circles, go ahead and do that. But, um, but if not, hear me out because I, I think this is... This is what we are created for. The first thing I would say is serve on a team. Uh, there's, there's no better thing, especially if you're just starting out, is to jump and to serve on a team. Now, there's a couple things I think we learn by serving on a team. Here's the first thing by serving, you're living out the mission of this church. I know when churches talk about serving, here's where our minds go, because it's just the way we think it's a task. Right, So we're like, hey, we need some help in Journey Kids. And you're like, oh, all you need help is with a task. You just want me to babysit for an hour. If that's what you think, and if that's what you feel like you're doing, then you're missing the vision of this church. right? Sunday mornings, we do the things that we do here. So that, like I went back to just a second ago, when you invite people who are far from God, they can come here and they can experience maybe their first step towards Jesus. And so when you're downstairs and you're working with the kids, it's not about fulfilling a task so that a parent can set up here and list parking cars, and make sure nobody crashes and nobody gets run over. <laughs> There's part of that, all right? But you're interacting with people. And I tell our parking team, guest services all the time. I'll give you a little secret here. You are, the, you are the first people people see when they come into this place for the first time. And if you're grouchy and if you're angry and you say something stupid, they're going to think this whole church is that way. I was like, you have an extremely important job. You're setting the vision for the rest of the day because people usually make a decision about a church in five minutes and you got about three and a half minutes out there with them. (laughs) Like what we do is important on Sundays and so we invite you to serve not because we want you to fulfill tasks. We want you to understand that you're living out the mission of this church. But here's the other reason is that you will build relationships with other people. Here at The Journey, we've worked really hard to um, build this coaching model. And I'm going to admit to you, it's not perfect. And uh, some ministries do it really, really well. And some are still trying to figure it out a little bit. But in this coaching model, we have staff. And staff oversees this group of coaches. And that means the staff is investing in these coaches. These coaches are volunteers, right? They're not paid. And they spend time with them. And they get to know them. And they pray for them. And and they interact with them. And when they're sick, they help them out. And then the coaches' job are then to invest in the volunteers, And so if you're volunteering, you're not a coach, and you're sick, something's going on in your life, they're praying for you, they're helping you out. And, And we have found that there's so much fruition in that kind of model. And so when you serve, you have the opportunity to begin to build those relationships. And so for you, maybe that is your first step here at the journey, that you jump in to serve. Now, How do you do that? Again, like Kathleen said, our church app, open it up. Uh, that first page, that home page, you'll see serve, click on it, and you'll find opportunities where you can jump in to serve. Again, not to fulfill a task, but to live out this mission here, and to learn to build relationships with others. But then here's what I would say, and I think this is even more important for building those long-term life-giving relationships. Join a group. I started here... Uh, Seven years ago, I think this week if I'm not mistaken, and I came on as the associate pastor and um, my main role was overseeing life groups. And uh, at the time probably wasn't the best at Overseeing life groups, right? And part of that was, you know, showing up in a new church and trying to understand a new culture and trying to understand the life group culture that was here and, and getting to know the leaders. And so, spent uh, uh, tried to spend as much time as I could doing that. Well, about nine months later, uh, lead guy leaves, and then I take over the lead guy role. It's like, hey, just figure out life groups for yourself, okay? And uh, and we know why we want you to be a part of those groups, and so we invite you to join in and to be a part. Of the groups that we have here. Now, this whole deal of neighborhood groups, now maybe you've experienced that at another church. I haven't. Um, this is something we started two years ago, and it's something I've wanted to do at every church I've been a part of, but just it hasn't worked out. But a couple of years ago, we said, hey, those circles, we want to see people's circles kind of intertwine. Like where you go eat, we want people in your group to be eating at the same places. And where your kids go to school, the people in your group, their kids go to the same school. And where you shop, that people in your group, they shop at the same place. Now, I know we live in a very big area, so that may not always be the case for some of us. But for the most part, we want you to be a part of a group that is in the same proximity to people in your group. Why is that? Because that makes it a whole lot easier to live out those one another's together. It makes it a whole lot easier if someone's got a babysitting issue or someone needs a meal because somebody's sick in their family, that you can just get in your car and and drive five minutes to get to their house or maybe even just walk up the street to where they live so that you can live out this one another with them. And so I love that we have these groups in place. And and here's one of the things about these groups that I think is important, especially if you've been here over these past two years. Um, You need to know our groups aren't, aren't perfect okay in fact they're not because you're in them all right and they're not because I'm in mine uh in some of these groups uh, there's people in them that are amazing and they understand the one another's and they get it and they live it out and there's other people it's like how long have you been in church I mean you've been a Christian for 35 years and you still don't get this what's going on I mean you know you kind of got that but that's okay because we're imperfect people But what we have found or what we are finding is that those groups, again, if you've been in these neighborhood groups for the past couple of years, are starting to kind of mesh together. And something I saw not too long ago said it's year three. What we invite you to do, we invite you to join a group. Simple to do. It's easy to do. We've opened this up today. You go to your church center app. And as you open up your church center app, there's a groups button down at the bottom. You click it. It says affinity groups here. These are some specialty groups we have that you can look through that uh, and get more information. But if you hit neighborhood groups, you're going to say, no, these people don't meet at the Springfield Mall, by the way. If you're looking at that, uh, they could. I mean, we could definitely do that. Um, but you can just kind of go through there and you're like, hey, I live close to this place. And maybe I'd like to be a part of a group there. Just, just fill out that information. And, and the group leaders will start to connect with you. Uh, someone or maybe you're sitting there you're like well hold up a second I look through this list and uh, I live in Maryland and there's no groups in Maryland it's not because we don't want groups in Maryland okay we'd love to have groups there and someone was talking to me after this uh, after first service like we live over near Camp Springs Uh, we could host a a group there can we have a group there I'm like don't ask me go ask Joel okay Joel can give you the answers there he can either make your dreams come true or or dash them pretty quickly I'm not sure (laughs) Look, we're not against starting new groups. And we're going to vet you, so don't please know that. But we just want to see people connected so you can build these relationships together. And if we can't do that within this setting, if we can't do this within the church, then honestly, we fail. Because other than that relationship with God, the relationships we have with other people, the most important relationships we have. And I don't know about you, I want to have deep, healthy, Christ-centered, life-giving relationships in my life. And the more and more people I talk to, especially here in this area, I know that's what you want too. And so we invite you to take the time to jump in and be a part of these groups. At the end of the service, uh, outside, there's a map. You can stop there. You can ask questions of the leaders that are out there. If you're like, hey, I live here, we'd love to do a group or a host one. Talk to Joel. Joel will get you set up. Come next week for the tailgate party. Make sure you sign up for that. Uh, here, this is something really important about tailgate party. Uh, wear your favorite team's jersey, okay? And it doesn't have to be football. It can be some dumb sport nobody likes, but that's you. <laughs> you can do that. Um whatever team it may be, whatever sport it may be, if you want to pull out your letter jacket from I don't know 50 years ago and wear it, do it. Uh we'll give high fives if we agree with you, we'll make fun of you, we don't like your team, but that's, you know, building these life-giving relationships, is being able to interact in that way. But please come to be a part of that. It is another opportunity for you to meet people in a lonely community like we live in. Why don't we begin to build strong relationships? And here's the deal. It's not just so these groups can be strong. I mean, that's a part of it. Because it ends up being that we're living out the mission of Jesus here. And the more and more we connect, and the more and more our relationships are life-giving, the more we're going to see that permeate outside of the walls of our homes, outside of the walls of this church, and into our community. And so here at The Journey, here's what we're inviting you to do. Just walk through that front door and join us in these relationships And let's see where God leads us. Let's pray. God, we are thankful and grateful for our lives. And, I mean, God, honestly, it's, I know some of us don't like living here um, for various reasons. But, God, this is a pretty amazing place to be. And, And whether we are here for a year, God, please don't let that be our excuse of why we don't want to jump into a group. Maybe this is the year that we find lifelong friendships. Maybe this is the year that our lives are changed because we take that that chance. But, God, that's not the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a place where we are growing in relationship with you, through Jesus, and with others. God, grow this community. Lead it and direct it. And may, in it all, we fully give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.